And now, O Lord, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of all of our hearts be found acceptable in your sight. For you are our rock, you are our strength, and you are our redeemer. If through the words of this human being we don't hear your voice, O God, we pray that you would come and speak to each of us in the quietness of our hearts. Amen. January 1st is a date on our calendars that, are, that is full of expectation. One year has passed, another has begun. For those of us who experienced loss in 2022, there's a tiny sigh of relief probably that maybe to say goodbye to a year associated with grief and hopefully move into a year where some of that grief will be alleviated. For those of us who experience significant joy like the birth of a new baby, there's an excitement of watching that joy grow in the year ahead and all that the year has in store. And for us in this church, having lost someone who is so dear to the church here at the cusp of a new year, we may feel like we're in between this place of anticipation and dread going into a new year. And friends, wherever you are as you come into this year, between the joy and the sorrow, between the grief and the celebration, it is okay for you to be wherever you are today because Jesus has met us in the ordinariness of our lives, in our emotions, in our feelings, and he is transforming us by simply being present to us as that baby in the manger in Bethlehem. And today we are not only remembering that it is New Year's Day on our modern calendar, but there, this is a significant day on the church calendar as well. Yes, it's the first Sunday after Christmas, and we are still in the Christmas season. It lasts for 12 days. You can leave your tree up until the Epiphany if you have not taken it down yet, and that is on January 6th. If you want to be a good Anglican, show your Anglican roots, you can do exactly that. But regardless, we are in the Christmas season, and today, January 1st, is also set aside as a day known as the, whole, the day of the Holy Name of Jesus. And let me tell you a little bit about what that means, because that's what I'm mainly going to be talking about today. This day was set aside years ago to commemorate the naming of Jesus with him publicly being given the name that we now know as the name above every other names. You see, Jesus was born into a Jewish society and the naming of a newborn Jewish baby was a tradition that took place in the temple, in the public space, in the faith gathering. And it was done for Jesus. It was done on the eighth day after his birth. birth. So imagine taking an eight day old baby to one of the biggest of the, to, to one of the biggest, most open, energetic, lively places. Well, Mary and Joseph did exactly that because that was their tradition. The naming, and, and this is the time where he, where he is officially named and it is shared. And when we baptize babies in the United Methodist Church today, if you've ever been present for a baptism here, you know we place a lot of emphasis on the name of that baby. In fact, I, my favorite liturgy to use when we baptize a baby is also one of the oldest ones in the United Methodist tradition going back to before the United Methodist Church even formed. Now, one reason I like that liturgy is because it's short and the baby's tend to like a shorter liturgy when they are being baptized. But, there, but the deeper reason that I like that liturgy 
is that there is a part in there where I look at the parents or the, pre, or the pastor looks at the parents and says, what name is given this child? And the parents respond with the child's first and middle name, if they have a middle name. And we spend some time talking about what that name means. And the reason we do this, that we place that emphasis there, is because there was an emphasis placed. We're following in Jesus' footsteps. There was an emphasis placed on his name. And we have varied those practices over the years, but Jesus engaged in them. His family did as well. And it's important for us to remember on this name of Jesus Sunday, the holy name of Jesus Sunday, that his name was not unusual at the time. Jesus was a much more common name than we realize. The Hebrew root of the name actually is is Yeshua or Yeshua, depending on how you pronounce it. And it is from Yeshua that we get the name Joshua as well. Jesus's name in his time was likely as common as Joshua is today. Think about that for a moment, friends, how kind of God it was and how humbling for us that the name that was chosen before the beginning of time for the Savior of the world was a name shared by many others. That is truly Emmanuel, God being with us and among us and one of us. Being so very real, God came down and was so very real and human and among us. God blended in with us, but in heaven's eyes, God always stood out in the form of his son, Jesus Christ. Long before Mary and Joseph entered that temple with their newborn eight-day-old baby, a song that had rung out through the temple that they had sung for years and for centuries before was Psalm 8 that you heard beautifully read just a moment ago. Psalm 8 begins and ends, you'll see in the scripture, with this refrain, O Lord, our Lord, or O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic and magnificent is your name in all of the earth. The names of God, they are numerous. We just exited a season where we, are sin, where, we, where we sing these names over and over again. Emmanuel, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. We could go on and on about the names that we can ascribe to God. And most of these were Old Testament names that we still use to address our father. But little did our ancestors in the faith know when they were singing Psalm 8 all of those years that they were singing to one whose name would be called Jesus. Now we, in this day and age, sing to Jesus the name above all names, the name that gives us and makes us into a new creation. And as but before we go deeper into Psalm 8 here, I just want to pause and, and offer another little point of prayer. I think it's important for us to constantly be looking at ways that we can pray. And one of the times where it is so often so hard for us to know how to pray or what to pray is when, is when we're in a place of panic, when we're in a place of agitation. And sometimes all we know to say is God help us or God be with us. And that is good. But friends, I want to encourage you to make a habit of something. And that is when you pray, take a moment just to simply name the name of Jesus and to say, Jesus, your name is the name above all names or Jesus is your name. Jesus, your name is. And then just start naming what Jesus's name is. And once you start naming what, what or ascribing to Jesus, what his name is, you can't stop sometimes. Jesus, your name is love. Jesus, your name is peace. Jesus, your name is magnificent. And what happens when we do that, when we focus our attention on Jesus and we start naming who Jesus is, we call on that holy name. We are calling the power of God into the situation that we are in. And so I want to ask you in this new 
new year to think about taking up some time every day just to speak to Jesus and to say, Jesus, you are Lord. Jesus, you are King. Jesus, you are all that I need. And when you get in that habit, when those times of anxiety rise up, when those times of hard, when those tough times rise up, then you can go automatically to calling the name of Jesus into that situation. And that is really what our forefathers and our foremothers of the faith were doing when they sang Psalm 8. They didn't know it was the name of Jesus they were calling on yet. They knew that it was the name of God, but they were calling on a power higher than themselves and asking that power, giving glory to the power of that name, but also calling that name to make them whole again. The first half of Psalm 8 is all about new creation. It is all about being made new. In fact, it was likely composed and and made to be sung as a song looking up at the heavens. And has anybody been outside in the past few weeks at nighttime with those clear skies to see how clear the sky has been and how many of the stars and the planets that we can see? And then think about those images of the sky and think about looking up and singing the song. Notice in verse and notice in verse 2 the prophecy that was sung out. Out of the mouths of babes and infants you have founded a bulwark and a fortress. We talk so often and sing so often about the cry from a manger in Bethlehem, but that same baby that went to the temple, let's be clear about something. That baby was crying out for a long time. Jesus was a baby as long as every baby is a baby. And his cry went out throughout that temple, just like it went out throughout that stable in Bethlehem. And that was the call of the infant who would indeed become and who was our fortress and our strength. But only those who were paying close attention would know that his cry was different from any other baby's cry. Verse three of today's passage. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, this this moon and the stars that you have established, what are human beings that you are mindful of them, mortals that you care for them? Yet you have made them a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. For years, God's people had cried out, who are we that you would care about us, God? You're majestic. You reign above the heavens. And it's as if God answered our question, friends, by saying, let me show you just how much I care. Let me, let my mind has been full of caring for you since the beginning of time. You fell away. You didn't return my love and care, but I made a way of becoming one of you because I want for you too to be crowned with glory and honor. That question that we just heard asked from Psalm chapter 8 verse 4 is almost best read with a little chuckle with a laugh of recognition where we say, God, who am I that you would care for me? Who are we that you should care for us? We are mere mortals. But friends, on this New Year's Day, the first Sunday of Christmas and the holy name of Jesus Day is the best of times for us to ask that question and to wait and listen for God's loving and caring response because he looks back at us and says that we have been made a little bit lower than God and we have been crowned with glory, with honor. And the psalm goes on to tell us we have been given great responsibility over this new creation that God has brought into our midst. So today is a great day 
for us to sit with these questions and to be content with sitting with these questions of asking God, how can you love me this much? And waiting for him to reply to us as well. And what I want to ask you to do today, we're going to search our hearts a little bit in the service as our response to the word. We're not making a resolution like we talked about with the children. We're not setting an intention, but simply entering into a time of reflection that I hope will continue for you in the week to come because we're asking God to reflect with us. When Jesus was given his name, humanity received a new name of being redeemed. He was already the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, and he took on flesh by taking that name that's exalted above every other. We are going to take some time this morning to remember the new covenant that began not at the cross and not at the empty tomb, but before time began and was finished at the cross and at the tomb. A covenant that God has made with us. When you came in today, every family was given a handout. Yes, it is long. It is five pages long, but it is big print, I promise you. And it is indeed some old language in there. And there will be some parts in here that when we read through it together, you're going to think, what on earth did I just pray? This is, it's, it's very dense at times. And the point is not for us to understand everything that we pray together today. The point is that we are taking the time to reflect uh, together with some historic words that date back to John and Charles Wesley. And what we will see in this resource, in this new way of praying together, or my hope is that this will be the beginning of a great reflection on just how much God loves us. That is something that will carry us on through this year. And just as a little history as you get that, um, as you get that renewal liturgy out here, this is a liturgy that, like I said, dates back to John and Charles Wesley. And it was meant to be used in the societies, the Methodist societies of the Anglican Church in England. So small groups at the beginning of every year would get together and talk about what went well last year. What do we want to do differently this year? But it's not the people talking about it. It's the people talking with God about what God is doing. So my hope is that we're going to share in it today, but that you will take it home, put it with your Bible, put it with your reading materials, and throughout the year, return to it and see what God might reveal to you. So I invite you to find that liturgy now, and let us begin with the invitation. Commit yourselves to Christ as his servants. Give yourselves to him that you may belong to him. Christ has many services to be done. Some are more easy and honorable. Some are more difficult and disgraceful. Some are suitable to our inclinations and interests. Others are contrary to both. In some, we may please Christ and please others and please ourselves, but then there are other works where we cannot please Christ except by denying ourselves. It is necessary, therefore, that we consider what it means to be a servant of Christ. Let us, therefore, go to Christ and pray. Let me be your servant under your command. I will no longer be my own. I will give up myself to your will in all things. Be satisfied that Christ shall give you your place and work. Lord, make me what you will. I put myself fully into your hands. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you or laid aside for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and with heart. Give it all to your pleasure and disposal. Christ will be the savior of none but his servants. He is the source of all salvation to those who obey. Christ will have no servants except by consent. 
Christ will not accept anything except full consent to all that he requires. Christ will be all in all, or he will be nothing. Confirm this by a holy covenant. To make this covenant a reality in your life, listen to these admonitions. First, set apart some time more than once to be spent alone before the Lord in seeking earnestly God's special assistance and gracious acceptance of you. In carefully thinking through all the conditions of the covenant in searching your hearts, whether you have already freely given your life to Christ, consider what your sins are. Consider the laws of Christ, how holy, strict, and spiritual they are, and whether you, after having carefully considered them, are willing to choose them all. Be sure you are clear in these matters. See that you do not lie to God. Second, be serious and in a spirit of holy awe and reverence. Third, claim God's covenant. Rely upon God's promise of giving grace and strength so that you can keep your promise. Trust not your own strength and power. Fourth, resolve to be faithful. You have given to the Lord your hearts. You have, you have opened your mouths to the Lord. You have dedicated yourself to God. With God's power, never go back. And last then, be prepared to renew your covenant with the Lord. Fall down on your knees, lift your hands toward heaven, open your hearts to the Lord as we pray. O righteous God, for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, see me as I fall down before you. Forgive my unfaithfulness in not having done your will, for you have promised mercy to me. I turn to you. God requires that you shall put away all your idols. Renounce them all, covenanting with you. No one's sin shall be allowed in my life. Against your will, I have turned my love toward the world. In your power, I will watch all temptations lead me away from you. For my own unrighteousness is riddled with sin, unable to stand before you. Through Christ, God is offered to be your God again if you would let him. For all heaven and earth. I here acknowledge you as my Lord and God. I take you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, for my portion, and vow to give up myself, body and soul, as your servant, to serve you in holiness and righteousness all the days of my life. God has given the Lord Jesus Christ as the only way and means of coming to God. Jesus, I do here on knees accept Christ, only living way, and sincerely join myself in a covenant with him. O blessed Jesus, I come to you, hungry, sinful, miserable, blind, and naked, unworthy even to wash the feet of your servants. I do here, with all my power, accept you as my Lord and head. I renounce my own worthiness and vow that you are the Lord my righteousness. I renounce my own wisdom and take you for my only God. I renounce my own will, take your will as my own. Christ has told you that you must suffer with him. I do here a covenant with you, O Christ, to take my lot with you as it may fall. Through your grace, I promise that neither life nor death shall part from you. God has given holy laws as the rule of your life. I put my neck under your yoke to carry your burden. All your laws are holy, just, and good. I therefore take them as the rule for my words, thoughts, and actions. 
promising that I will strive to order my whole life according to your direction and not allow myself to neglect anything I know to be my duty. The Almighty God searches and knows your heart. You know that I make this covenant with you today without guile or reservation. If any falsehood should be in it, guide me and help me to set it right. And now, glory be to you, O God the Father, whom I from this day forward shall look upon as my God and Father. Glory be to you, O God the Son, who have loved me and washed me from my sins in your own blood, and now is my Savior and Redeemer. Glory be to you, O God the Holy Spirit, who by your almighty power have turned from heart from sin to God. Almighty God, the Lord Omnipotent, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you have now become my covenant friend, and I, through your infinite grace, have become your covenant servant. So be it, and let the covenant I have made on earth be ratified in heaven. Amen.